Good morning, Fellowship Baptist Church family. Today is our Easter service. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Maybe take a moment and text a friend and have them join us today. They can be watching this live just like you are, and we're glad that you're here today with us. And uh, by the way, uh, the website, My Fellowship Baptist, is a place that they can go to and watch this live, or the Facebook or YouTube channel. You can go to those as well at Fellowship Baptist Church of Bakersfield. And just want to thank you for being here. We're going to be looking today in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So you might get your Bible and be ready for the message in just a little bit. And after I pray, uh, Charlie McKay is going to come and, and sing a special song for us today for this Easter service this morning. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time that we can come and rejoice and celebrate this day. What a wonderful day as we think of our resurrected Lord. And we just want to come today, ask your blessing upon the music, the message today, also the opportunity that we could give our life to Christ if we've never done that. So, Lord, we thank you for the time we have to today. Bless those who are watching, and, uh, Lord, just help us to understand the importance of this day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to have Charlie McKay come, and he's going to share some special music with us, and Anita Prevost will be uh, leading you at the piano as well. morning. I'm going to share a song uh, this morning. One of the things that we miss uh, having church uh, this way is we miss what it sounds like when we all sing together. And that's one thing I'm looking forward to when when this is passed and we're back uh, together as a church body to hear the body of Christ sing together. That's, uh, that's just going to be uh, a beautiful time. But I tell you what, song we're going to sing is, is familiar to you, maybe the chorus anyway. <clears throat> sing from where you are. The Lord hears it. The Lord loves to hear his children sing. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands received, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down. Joseph's tomb the entrance sealed by heavy stones Messiah still and all alone oh praise the name oh praise the name of the Lord our God oh praise his name The Son of Heaven rose again. Oh, trample death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ the King. Oh, praise the Praise his name 
The blazing sun shall pierce the night, and I will rise among the saints. My gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. Sing it now, oh, praise the name. Oh, praise the name of the Thank you, Charlie. What a great uh, song. We appreciate you singing today for us. And if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as we look at uh, the resurrection this morning. And this is the most important day in the church calendar, the most important day in church history. I'm reminded of a story that I heard about a group of uh, four-year-olds that were in Sunday school class. And uh, they were in this class in Chattanooga, Tennessee years ago. And the teacher looked at the class and asked this question, does anyone know what today is? A little four-year-old girl held, held up her hand and said, yes, today is Palm Sunday. The teacher exclaimed, that is fantastic. That's wonderful. Now, does anyone know what next Sunday is? The same little girl held up her hand and said, yes, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. Once again, the teacher said, that's fantastic. Does, does anybody know what makes Sunday Easter? The same little girl responded, said, yes, next Sunday is Easter because Jesus rose from the dead. And before the teacher could congratulate her, she kept on talking and said, but if he sees his shadow, he has to go back for seven weeks. So I thought that was a pretty good uh, story. Another story that... Uh, it's kind of a funny story about a minister uh, in Pennsylvania tells this story about a four-year-old son of an undertaker. Uh, and the undertaker was puzzled one Easter morning when he heard about the resurrection. And uh, this four-year-old son said, you mean uh, Jesus actually rose from the dead? And he said, yes. He, the voice said, uh, you know, my dad's an undertaker. And he didn't take care of him because if he had taken care of, care of him that day, he would have never got up out of that tomb. So today we're going to talk about Easter Sunday. And, uh, you know, one of the great things about Easter is when Christ died, he rose again. But also that gives us opportunity to, to, to rise someday. We look forward to that. One of my favorite preachers is D.L. Moody. And uh, he was called upon to preach a funeral sermon. He hunted all throughout the, the four Gospels and he looked for a sermon by Christ on funeral. He looked for a funeral sermon from Christ, but he searched in vain. He found that Christ broke up every funeral he ever attended. And uh, that's exactly what Christ did on the day of the resurrection. So today's the resurrection. That's the focal point of, of what this day is about is his resurrection. Christ had taught about this. The Son of Man, he said, must suffer many things. And he, he was rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He says in John chapter 11, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall 
live even if he dies. And so today we're going to talk about this, and I'm glad that you joined me. So make sure that you have your Bible there in 1 Corinthians 15. We think about uh, the first two sermons ever preached in the book of Acts uh, after Pentecost. It was on the resurrection of Christ. And so the people there knew exactly what uh, Peter and Paul later would say about the resurrection of Christ. And we think about uh, uh, the time that we have, uh, you know, we had Good Friday, and that's the darkest day in history. Today, Easter is the greatest day in history. And so I'm so glad that we can come and have uh, this service. Uh, There's a man by the name of John Locke. He was an 18th century British philosopher. He said, our Savior's resurrection is truly of great importance in Christianity. So great that his being or not being the Messiah stands or falls on that. So we can believe that because of his resurrection, he is exactly who the prophets preached about. He'd be the coming Messiah and he would rise from the, from the grave. If there's no resurrection, uh, if there's no resurrection, the Apostle Paul tells us that we're all men most miserable. And, but we can believe in that, that he is the, uh, the Lord, the resurrected one. John uh, tells us that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. The Apostle Paul says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so that's the hope of the resurrection is salvation. I thought about, uh, as I was preparing this message, the importance as the as you, the listener, hears this today. Maybe you're here and you're listening and you're watching uh, by Internet and you say to yourself, why is the resurrection so important? Do we have any evidence to prove that Christ is who he claimed to be? Um, you know, one of the most successful defense lawyers was a man by the name of Sir Lionel LeCoux. In fact, the, the Guinness Book of Records says that he had 245 successful acquittals. Can you imagine that? As a defense lawyer for people that were brought up on murder charges, he had 245 successful defense defenses against the penalty. And we think about who would be the one to, that could investigate the claims of Christ. Who would be a good lawyer? Well, uh, he was like the Perry Mason of years ago. Uh, he took his skill and he went to the facts and he studied this out. And uh, he was so important that the Queen Elizabeth made him a knight twice over, two different times. And uh, he was a diplomat. He was a he was uh, one of the chief justice in the highest courts. And as he approached Easter, uh, he would come and he would study the evidence. And after his studying the evidence about the resurrection, he says unequivocally that the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof, which leaves absolutely no room for doubt. So successful lawyer he was. In fact, he gave his life to Christ after he did the study on the resurrection. I want to give you five evidences or testimonies of the proof of the resurrection today. And you might want to write these down. I'm going to give you five different ones. The first one is the testimony of the church itself. If you have your Bible there, look, if you will. It says in verse 1 and 2, Now, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. The first evidence of the res resurrection, the first proof, is the testimony of the church itself. Uh, we think about uh, the importance of 1 Corinthians, and this was written to a, this letter by Paul was written to a church that was struggling. It was, uh, in fact, uh, there were people in this church that were ext uh, uh, extortioners, thieves, adulterers, fornicators, homosexuals, liars, idolaters, and uh, 
different types of pagans in this church, but despite their shortcomings and failures, and despite the present presence of false followers in their assembly, Christ lived in, uh, through their through them, and we know that if you look there, verse uh, number one says, "I make known to you, brethren, these people who were in a pagan culture gave their life to Christ, and so the evidence." of the church, the testament of this church. And so he calls them brethren. It's significant proof of the evidence of the church itself. The very um, meaning and existence for 2,000 years, the church still stands. There's evidence of the resurrection, but just by the church itself. I want to give you a second evidence. Uh, before I do that, I read, uh, I wanted to mention this, I read, uh, H.D. Myers, uh, who was principal at, in Oxford, he said, had the crucifixion of Jesus ended his disciples' experience of him, it is hard to see how the Christian church could ever come into existence. The church was founded on faith in the Messiah of Jesus, Messiahship of Jesus. A crucified Messiah was no Messiah at all. He was one rejected by Judaism, a curse of God, it was the resurrection of Jesus, as St. Paul declares in chapter 14 of Romans, that he is the very Son of God. And so the evidence of the church itself. The followers of Buddha, a man writes this, he, he believed in Buddha, he was a follower of Buddha, but he says this, when Buddha died, it was with, with that utter passing away in which nothing would remain. Muhammad died at Medina on June 8th, 632, at the age of 61. And his tomb is there. People visit yearly by the tens of thousands of Muslims. But they come to mourn his death, not to celebrate a resurrection. Yet the church of Jesus Christ, not just on Easter Sunday, but every service when they baptize somebody in immersion, they celebrate the victory of our Lord over death and the grave. Just the act of immersion, of baptism, when someone goes down to the water, they, came, they come up, and that pictures uh, the very resurrection of Christ. So the first evidence today is the testimony of the church. Secondly is the testimony of Scripture itself. If you look at verses 3 and 4 of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, For I delivered to you, as of first importance would I also receive that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now those two verses, three and four, we have the testimony of scripture. But more importantly, some believe that this is the earliest creed that was written right after the resurrection of Christ, the early church, this was their creed. Let me re read part of it again to you. That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scripture. Now the early church had their creeds. Now churches today have their creeds and they have their councils. They have uh, different teachings they believe. But the early church believed those two verses. That, that Christ died and he rose from the dead. And so we think about that. So the second evidence here is the scripture itself. It's the Old Testament scripture uh, of Judaism in the early church. The Old Testament clearly pictures Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. When Paul says, I deliver to you, talking about the scripture, he means he brought authoritative teaching, not something of his own origination. He did not design it. He only delivered what God had authored himself. Think about two of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Over in Luke 24, he says, as Jesus is walking with them, he says, O foolish men and soul of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the, for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them, the things concern himself and all the scripture. And so we have the evidence of scripture. We have uh, the apostle Paul. Uh, we have the two disciples. We have unbelieving Jews 
that asked for a sign of his messiahship. He responded this way. He said, an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, yet no sign shall be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster or the fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so the sign that he gave these unbelieving Jews was the sign of Jonah. Three days and the three nights Christ died on Good Friday. We have that. And then on Sunday, he rose. Uh, at Pentecost, the apostle Peter quoted Psalm 16, where David said, said this. And think about how many thousands of years before Peter even read this, that in Psalm 16, David looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he had neither abandoned him to hell, nor did his flesh suffer decay, Acts 2.25-31. So Christ didn't stay in hell or uh, abandoned to hell, it says, nor did his flesh suffer decay, which means that he rose from the dead. Uh, the Apostle Paul, before King Agrippa, and, and two or three times he gives a defense uh, to these different leaders. And King Agrippa, he says, And so having obtained help from God, I stand to this day testifying both the small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place, that the Christ was to suffer, and that by reason of, resurrec by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he should be the first to proclaim light before the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. So the Apostle Paul, what was his message? His message was to go to the Jew first, then to the Gentiles. He became later known as the Apostle to the Gentiles. He was giving them information that the Gentiles had not heard. The Jews had heard it because of Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. But here are these uh, Gentiles that hear it later. Uh, even Jesus, Peter, and Paul. That sounds like a good uh, singing group. Jesus, Peter, and Paul. Uh, he, they quoted, they referred back to the Old Testament passages back in Genesis 22, Psalm 16, Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, Hosea 6-2. Over and over again, either directly or indirectly, they, they spoke of these scriptures from the Old Testament, which foretold the death of Jesus, his burial, and his resurrection. No Jew who believes understood the scripture referring to what we now call the Old Testament. Uh, should have been surprised that the Messiah was ordained to, be, to die, to be buried in resurrection. And then uh, notice in this verse we're still looking at in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, Paul says, according to the scriptures. Then he says it again, according to the scriptures. The emphasis is on the scriptures itself, Old Testament scriptures. Let me give you a third uh, eyewitness or testimony. There's the testimony of the different eyewitnesses. Look at, if you have your Bible open there, look at verses 5 through 7. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. By the way, the word Cephas is the, the word for Peter. He appeared to Peter, then the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until this time but some have fallen asleep or some have died. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. So we have thirdly, not only the testimony of the church, secondly, the testimony of scripture, now the testimony of eyewitnesses. Can you imagine this? 500 different people throughout history, the testimony of responsible and honest eyewitnesses have been considered as most reliable. When you go to a court, you, you look for witnesses. You look for eyewitnesses. Uh, there was a, a lawyer by the name of Sir Edward Clark. He says, as a lawyer, I have made a prolonged study of the evidence for the events of the first Easter day. For me, the evidence is conclusive. And over and over again in the high courts, I have secured the verdict of, uh, on evidence not nearly so compelling. Uh, the inference uh, follows the inference follows on evidence. And a truthful witness is always heartless and disdain. 
effect that the gospel's evidence for the resurrection is of this class. And as a lawyer, I accept it unreservedly as the testimony of truthful men to facts which we're able to, we're able to substantiate. And so you could read through uh, the scriptures there, the evidence of 500 at one time. We have the appearance of Jesus to Peter himself. He appears, the Bible tells us, in John 20. Remember, after the resurrection, he appears to Peter first. You say, why did he appear to Peter first? Well, uh, we know that uh, he had already shown himself uh, to the to the ladies, Mary and Mary Magdalene, some of the ladies. He, he had shown himself uh, to the, the two disciples on the Emmaus Road. Um, but then he appears to Peter. You say, why did he appear to Peter? Well, Peter was the one that denied him. Maybe it wasn't so much that that uh, Jesus needed to see Peter, but Peter needed to see Jesus. Maybe because of his uh, denying Christ three different times that Peter needed to know that this was the Lord. So he goes to Peter first which emphasized his grace. Peter had forsaken the Lord, but the Lord had not forsaken him. Christ did not appear to Peter because Peter deserved to see him most, but perhaps, again, because Peter needed to see him most. Maybe in your life today on this Easter service, maybe today you would say that uh, I need Christ because my sins are so bad, so terrible. I've denied the Lord. He appears to the 12, it says there in verses uh, 5 and following in 1 Corinthians. He appeared to the 12. Uh, and really, uh, it was to the 11 because Judas had, had betrayed him. But anytime the, the disciples are mentioned, they're referred to as the 12. And uh, we know that Judas was replaced by the early church uh, later. And so we think about the apostles. Who were they? They're the ones that laid the foundation of the church. The importance of the apostles, Ephesians 2.20, they laid the foundation, uh, which was Christ and him crucified. Then it says he appeared to 500 at one time. That's amazing. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. Um, we think about the quality of a specific witness is represented by the apostles. Here are the, the leading apostles. That's the quality of the, but then we have the quantity, the quantity of the witness. 500 people, we don't know their names, but they knew who Christ was. Christ knew who they were. Then he appears to James. He says, he, he not only appeared to James uh, in the 12, he talks about who is this James. Uh, there was two men in the Bible, in the gospel account, uh, named James. And he said, well, who were they? Well, one was the son of Zebedee, the other the son of Alphaeus. And, uh, but I kind of I hold to that he appeared to his half-brother, James. And you say, who's James, the half-brother? He's the one that gave us the, the, the book of James at the end of your Bible. Uh, he was the leader of the New Testament church in Jerusalem, Acts 15 tells us. Originally, James was a skeptic. Like his other brothers, he did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He did not, he did not believe that. But later, he came to know that his brother, who was his half-brother, was, was, was uh, uh, the Messiah. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, that over a period of 40 days that Christ appeared to them to them. Then we have the testimony next of the special witness. You say, who's the special witness? Who was it that God would call as a special witness? All these others are important. The apostle, the 12 apostles, we have the church, we have the scripture, we have uh, the 500, but the testimony of a special witness, if you look there, if you have your Bible open there, 1 Corinthians 15, Verse 8 through 10, he says, And last of all, it was to one untimely born. He appeared to me also, Paul says, for I am the least of the apostles who are not fit to be called an apostle 
because I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. This special witness was the Apostle Paul himself. You think about how God showed himself on the Damascus. Christ showed himself on the Damascus road. He says, I'm the last, last of all. He appeared to me. And so we think about, boy, aren't you glad that God called Paul? He was formerly known as Saul of Tarsus. And the Apostle Paul becomes a Christian. And think about how many of the books of the New Testament, at least 12, possibly 13 of our books in the New Testament, was written by the Apostle Paul. So he, picked, he says, I was one untimely born, or born out of due time. And uh, it's interesting, that, that Greek word there, untimely born, it's the word uh, we refer to, uh, we get the word for abortion or miscarriage or premature birth. Uh, and here he is, this Paul, he was a man that uh, out of, uh, I mean, he was the least of anybody that could be saved from it. He persecuted the church, but God called him. He says, he appeared to me also. Paul testifies, he appeared to me. Has he appeared to you through the gospel, through the preaching of the word of God? Have you given your life to Christ? Paul knew all the sins were forgiven. He was not plagued by feeling of guilt uh, because he knew that by the grace of God, I am what I am. The last, the last thing is I'll give you another testimony is the testimony of the common message or the testimony of you and I sharing the gospel. Look, if you will, in verse 11. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. Was it the testimony of the church? Yes. Testimony of scripture? Yes. Was the testimony of the multitudes, the 500, or even the Apostle Paul? Yes, all those. But the message, he says in verse 11, whether then it was I or they, so we preached and you believed. The last, the last testimony of Christ's resurrection in this passage was the common message that every true apostle, every prophet, every pastor preaches, every Christian shares. Whether then, was it you or I, that Peter, uh, and Paul says, Peter, he preached it, the 12 preached it, the 500 preached it, James or anyone else preached it, but says that we have the responsibility to preach the gospel. So wherever Christ is preached, and by whomever preaches it, his resurrection is the main message that we proclaim. There was no dispute about the truth of the importance of the of the doctrine, which uh, hardly he would dispute, except a few isolated heresies. The doctrine of Christ's resurrection was not uh, questioned. So today, I want to close with three final facts concerning the credibility of the resurrection. I said to you first, there is the fact of the Christian church. It is worldwide in scope. In history, our history can be traced back to Palestine around 32 AD. Did it just happen or did it just pop up? The Bible tells us in the book of Acts they were first called Christians in Antioch. They turned the world upside down. And we think about the importance of the fact of the Christian church. Second thing to remind you know the Christian church, not only a, a church like Fellowship Baptist, uh, we're talking about uh, a church that's not meeting together today. In fact, you think about it, uh, the early church met in homes. They were uh, being persecuted, so many of them had to be in their homes or in the catacombs in Rome. And so what you and I are experiencing today, this isolation in some ways, as Christians, they face that every day. So the fact of a Christian church. Secondly, the Christian day. The importance of the fact of the Christian day. Sunday is the day of worship for Christians. In history, uh, its history can be traced back to the year 32 AD. Such a shift 
in the calendar was monumental and something something must have happened to change the day of worship from the Jewish Sabbath, which is Saturday, to Sunday. That's the first day of the week. That's the day that we celebrate Christ's resurrection. And so there's the fact of the Christian church, the Christian day. But let me close with this, the fact of the, of the Christian book, the Bible. The New Testament, uh, which we get the story about the resurrection is here, where we have 66 books in this Bible. And many of them talk about the prophecies of his first coming. And he fulfilled those. It also speaks much of his second coming. And who knows how close that could be. With all the things happening in our world today, all the things that we're seeing unfolding, you could go to Matthew 24, and I'd encourage you to read Matthew 24. You go to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and you say, what is the Revelation? What's, what's that mean? It's the revelation of a person, not just the plan. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so throughout the Scripture, you could find uh, the importance of this day, but the Christian book. Uh, and think about how that book has changed the lives of so many. I close with a story about a man going uh, down the street to a store window. He was looking inside the window. He saw a very beautiful picture of the crucifixion in the window in a painting. As he gazed, he was spellbound at the spellbound at the vivid picture story. He suddenly became conscious that at his side stood a young boy. The boy too was gazing at that picture and his tense expression made the man know that the crucifixion had really gripped this, this little boy. Touching the boy on the shoulder, the man said, Sonny, what does that picture mean? He said, don't you know? He answered, his face full of marvel. He said, that, that there man is Jesus. And the Roman soldiers there killed him. And the women crying, one was his mother, was sad because he died. So the man did not want to move from the front of, the, of this window. He looked for a little bit longer. And then this little boy had left. And in a few moments, the boy came back. He said, Mr. Mister, do you understand? I forgot to tell you the best part. He rose again. And that's the best part about Easter. He rose again. Philip Yancey says in his book, it's a great book if you ever want to read a good book on this. Philip Yancey in his book called The Jesus I Never Knew. He, so, he said, I know a woman whose grandmother lies buried under a 150-year-old oak tree in the cemetery. He said this, this, uh, where this lady was buried, there was a headstone with the one word on the headstone for this lady. It was the word waiting, waiting. And that's what everyone who's in the grave that's a Christian is waiting for the resurrection of Christ to take them, make them free, make them free from, from what's uh, in their life, free from their sin. One of my favorite uh, uh, preachers is Billy Graham. He's going to be at the Lord now. And before he got Parkinson's disease, he was, he was starting to get that early in 2000. 2000, uh, year 2000, he had been asked to preach. And they said, would you preach and would you share uh, something with us? I don't expect you to preach a sermon, but if you just want to share something. And he and he. He shared the story of Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein, as you know, was one of the smartest guys. He gave us so many principles that we follow today. And he says that uh, Einstein was on a train. And he was going from Princeton to another place. And as the conductor came by, he asked for his ticket. And Einstein said, uh, I can't find my ticket. So he looked everywhere. He kept uh, looking under the under the seat. He looked in his briefcase. He couldn't find the ticket. The man said, listen, I know who you are. You're Einstein, Dr. Einstein. Uh, you don't need to 
you don't need to worry. Uh, you don't have to have a ticket. So he went down the aisle, then he looked back. Einstein was still uh, looking for that ticket. He got uh, down under the seat looking for the ticket. The guy comes in, the conductor said, Mr. Einstein, I know who you are. You have a free ride. Don't worry about your ticket. He says, well, I'm not uh, too concerned about having a ride. It's just I don't know where my destination is. It's on that. I'm lost. I can't find where I'm going. You know what? You can know where you're going. It's so important that you uh, know at the end of your life. You think about Buddha, Confucius, Mohammed. All of them except one are in, in a tomb. Today, Jesus Christ, there, he's out of the tomb. His tomb is empty. So I ask you the question, are you putting your hopes in Christ today? I close with John chapter 11, 25. It says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Do you believe that today? He said that in John 11, it's when his dear friend Lazarus had died and Martha and Mary were concerned. He said, Lord, if you had been here, he would not have died. And Jesus looked at the sisters and said, I am the resurrection life. He goes on to say, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Well, why did Jesus die? He died for your sins. He died for my sins. I'm so thankful this last week on Tuesday, April 7th, I gave my life to Christ 52 years ago. Most important thing in my life to ever do is to trust Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm so glad that I did that. So if you'll do what uh, Dr. Uh, Lionel Lupu, the great lawyer, did and accept him as Christ in your life today. So this Easter morning, let me ask you, do you know where you're going after you die? Do you know where you're going to be? you have the hope of the resurrection? That's why thousands and millions really around the world today, even though they're being isolated, they can't go into church buildings. They have the hope of the resurrection. And you turn from your sins and trust Christ to be your Savior. I pray that you'll do that. Let me, let me go in prayer as you pray there. If you've never accepted Christ, and you'd like to have him as your Lord today, you can do that. Our Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the facts that were given, the proofs of the resurrection by the Apostle Paul. We're so thankful today, God, that you are uh, able to give us life through your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray for those who are watching uh, and listening today. God, if there's someone here that's watching today that needs Christ to be Lord of their life, I pray they'll turn from sin. The Bible says to repent of sin and to trust Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior. I pray they'll do this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have in just a moment here, uh, Anita Prevo, she's going uh, to play a song. And usually at this time we have our after the invitation, we have our offertory, a time where people can give. Uh, and uh, I know you're uh, out there today. You're not in the church building here. But we still need your support and help. And we trust Christ will bless us through those who are watching, those who can help us. And so you go to the website, myfellowshipbaptist.com, and you can give there online. Or you can mail a, uh, a check in or whatever. You can drop it by the office here at Fellowship Baptist, and uh, we'll be glad to, to be here and meet you here for that. But uh, I want to thank those who have been giving, and uh, our numbers uh, financially, uh, thankfully, they're not in the down, down really low. We're so thankful that God has faithful people, and I want to thank those who have given. And maybe even online when you give at, a, at, the, at the website there, you could give uh, maybe one time or maybe... You could put yourself as a, uh, a recurring donor and, and giver. So that'd be good. But we're just glad that you're uh, here today with us. So we're going to have a need of play. And uh, thank you for joining us today.
thank you, Anita. I appreciate you playing today, and uh, she does a great job. I know all of you would agree. Uh, so glad to have everybody here. Uh, just before we close, maybe uh, let us know where you're watching this from or uh, who you're with, and just put that on the chat there just for briefly so I can look at this later and know who my crowd is. And uh, it's amazing we have people from the promised land. I mean, Oklahoma. There are people there uh, watching. Some of my friends are there. And uh, just glad to have everybody here today. And uh, looking forward to a great week. Uh, we'll be praying in just a moment. We'll be closing. But we want to pray for those who are uh, who have the virus and some families. I was notified this week of some friends of mine that they lost a, a loved one to the virus. And so we want to keep all those who are in prayer in prayer that's uh, who's got the virus and keep our president and uh, the team that are working on this and all the health uh, care workers. We thank God for them, all the leaders in this. So I want to remind you that next Sunday we'll be back uh, doing the same thing we're doing this Sunday. We'll be online having church at home, and I hope that uh, you're having, a, having a, a great time with your family, getting closer. It's a time to maybe reflect and to read the scriptures and to pray more and uh, to you know, so how do you how do you deal with boredom uh, how do you deal with the things that we're going through at home well uh, it's only boring if you uh, let it be boring uh, some of you husbands maybe your wife's always giving you ideas of things that keep you from being bored that means doing some work around the house and uh, the kids giving them some chores to do uh, is that a word we use anymore uh, when I grew up chores is what I would call and so anyhow, but uh, find yourself uh, in the scriptures and prayer and take time to read a book that maybe you've always wanted to read. Uh, there's a lot of things to do. Watch some good, wholesome movies together. And there's a lot of those out there right now. So anyhow, but uh, next Sunday, we'll be back together at 1045. So invite your friends and family to, to join us next week. Maybe encourage people that uh, missed the service today. Send them a text and they can go online to our website, uh, to our, our Facebook, and also our YouTube channel. And they, they can watch this anytime. So uh, thank you for being here. I want to close in prayer. Father, thank you for uh, today, for Easter. We thank you for uh, the importance of the resurrection of Christ. And we're so thankful that Good Friday was not the end, but it was the beginning for Easter and for the resurrection Sunday. And we celebrate that today, Lord. We thank you for salvation that you offer to all of us. And uh, Lord, those of us who have received you as our Lord and Savior, God, we're thankful that we have new life and we look forward to the day we'll see our Lord. We want to pray as we close for our president, for all those over us in authority. We pray for wisdom and protection of their health as well. We thank you for the Helpful for the pray for the care workers, those who uh, work long hours, those who are in hospitals, those who, who are trying to save lives, Lord. We pray for them as well and their families. And we also want to pray for families that have a loved one that has this virus or some that have lost a loved one or a friend. We want to pray for their comfort today. And we give praise to you today. And we say thank you, Lord, for for Easter, thank you for the resurrection of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. See you next week.